Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, July 26th, and this is People Every Day. Hello again, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here, and I am so happy to be back with you again today. We've got one of the biggest names in Hollywood joining us, none other than Tyler Perry. You're going to hear all about his newest film, one that he says will make his naysayers eat their words. Also, with everything that's been circulating in the news lately about monkeypox, we're chatting with a health expert to set the record straight on what we all need to know. As always, a jam-packed show, so let's dive right in. Our first story is absolutely heartbreaking. Over the weekend, Christina Powell, the Texas mom of two who went missing on July 5th, was found dead in her car, which was parked at a mall parking lot. The 39-year-old's body was in the front passenger seat of her 2020 Nissan Rogue, found there by a mall security guard around 7 p.m. on Saturday. Police say the car had been parked there for about a week, and reports state that Powell's purse was also found in the vehicle. Now, authorities are trying to unravel the mystery of what happened. Powell left her home on July 5th around 10.30 a.m. and allegedly called her workplace to tell them she was running late. She reportedly left the house without her phone or Apple Watch. Then, several hours later, a colleague showed up to her home to see if Powell was there after she failed to show up to the office that day. Powell had no apparent trauma to her body and no official cause or manner of death has been released. I just hope the authorities can figure out what happened to bring some peace to her family. Moving on the best we can, Nick Cannon is a father, again, for the eighth time. Model Brie Tiasi announced on Instagram yesterday that she and Nick Cannon welcomed their first child together, a baby boy named Legendary Love. Mm -hmm. Tiasi shared a series of emotional photos from her, quote, all-natural, unmedicated home birth, as well as a video on YouTube documenting her pregnancy, natural induction, labor, and delivery. Kudos to her. She went on to say of the comedian and TV personality, Daddy showed the F up for us. I couldn't have done it without you. I can't believe he's here. Now, Cannon commented with his own excitement on the post saying, You never cease to amaze me, full of passion, drive, focus, brilliance, and most importantly, love. And he followed up with, honored and privileged to experience this beautiful miracle with you. Thank you for the greatest gift any human can give to another. For this, my love is forever indebted. Cannon, of course, is no stranger to fatherhood. In addition to his new baby boy, Cannon shares 11-year-old twins, Monroe and Moroccan, them babies, with ex Mariah Carey. He shares 5-year-old Golden and 19-month-old Powerful Queen with Brittany Bell and 13-month-old twins, Zion and Zillion, with Abby De La Rosa. His son, Zen, whom he shared with Alyssa Scott, died in December 2021 after being diagnosed with brain cancer. Now, in June, during an appearance on the Lip Service podcast, Cannon hinted that he would be having more children this year, saying, the stork is on the way. That stork has got to be getting pretty tired by now, but congrats to the new mom and veteran dad. 
And now let's switch gears to talk about a story that's been gaining steam in recent days. And I'd say after the past two plus years of a pandemic, we all need to know more about this topic to make informed choices about our health and safety. Of course, I'm talking about monkeypox. Over the weekend, news broke that the World Health Organization declared monkeypox a public health emergency. The virus, which is related to smallpox, has made its way around the world pretty rapidly. And after the COVID pandemic, which is still very much not over, so many people have questions and are nervous that monkeypox could rise to the same level of severity. There's a lot to break down here. So joining me now to answer the questions on everyone's mind is Very Well's Chief Medical Officer, Jessica Shepard. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. So let's start right at the basics. For those who don't know, what is monkeypox and how is it being transmitted? First of all, I mean, I kind of hate the name, but whatever. It's very triggering. It's just like monkey. Monkey, why is this in the name? But it is a virus. It's a DNA virus. This is something that we've seen back from the 70s. But there are a lot of viruses that are kind of throughout the world globally, but they don't always necessarily get to other countries, say. That's when we start to have either an endemic or a pandemic such as COVID. And so that's basically what has happened. We have kind of seen monkeypox from particularly three countries in Africa where it has been endemic kind of now spread outside of Africa. And so with that being said, this is where we're starting to see more cases arise. And that's where we start to really, from a kind of virology standpoint or from a medical standpoint, start to determine, is this something that can be contained and making sure that it doesn't go to the masses and become a pandemic. Got it. And and so when it comes to the symptoms, like what it feels like to have monkeypox, what should people be looking out for? Now, because it's a virus, you know, similar to the flu, which is a virus, or COVID, which is also a virus, you're going to see some of those same symptoms early on. Your muscles are achy, have a fever, may have a headache, and then maybe some of your lymph nodes get enlarged. But the kind of like thing that we know monkeypox for is that rash. And that's the rash that can appear a few days later, and it often starts on the face and it works its way down to the palms and the arms. The reason why the rash is kind of the hallmark of it is because we know it from how it appears. It looks like a little bit of blisters, and then they start to scab over. It's a little bit similar to what you would think of chickenpox, which is also a virus as well. So take me into how it's transmitted, because there's a lot of talk about this and a lot of confusion, I think, out there. When we think of, again, how it's transmitted is what we typically like to say is a a zoology kind of transmission, meaning if an animal is infected, it can be transmitted to a human who has some contact with it. Now, the human becomes the host of that virus. How it spreads it to other humans is, again, through respiratory. So if you're inhaling any respiratory droplets or you directly touch an infected person without knowing And less often you'll see like indirect touching, like with clothing. And there's discussion about it not being a sexually transmitted disease, despite reports out there. So can you clarify that? Yeah. So this is where the confusion comes with, again, how it's transmitted. So typically when you think of a sexually transmitted illness that is, you know, given to someone else, it's usually through bodily fluids. Now that's different than touch. Right. So if you have direct contact with skin that has access to that virus, that's where you're going to start to see it. So Mm. I can see where people might get confused if it's a sexually transmitted illness. But no, it's respiratory and also direct touch. Got it. Got it. So can you die from it? How 
severe can these symptoms get? So it's typically a very mild illness, and it usually gets better over with supportive therapy. Supportive therapy is just like, again, rest, taking in fluids, making sure you're taking your medications to decrease that fever. Now, the death rate is very low. So if you were to compare it to when you see maybe a West African strain where you might have a death rate of maybe at 10%, you're going to see here from this strain, which is much lower and much more mild, like a 1% to 3%. So very mm. rare. We are concerned about people who might be exposed to it, say, in populations like children or, or pregnant women or people with immune suppression. But that generally is what you'll see with most viruses. We really want to keep it away from those categories of people because they may have more severe illness or maybe a slight increase in mortality. But overall, very low risk of death. Good to know. What should people be doing to protect themselves? And do you see this becoming as you know wild as COVID did, where we're quarantining or doing anything like that? Now, that's a great question, because if you think of like infectious rate, how quickly something moves from one person to the other, COVID was like topping the charts with that. That was something that you're in the room, you got it. Whereas monkeypox is a little bit different, one in the way that it transmits, you know, through direct touch, but also just the type of virus that it is. Now, when we think about schools, I think because we have noted some increased amount of cases around the U.S., we are, are doing our best. I love public health officials and public health physicians that really will notice something, track it and trend it and then be like, we've got to contain this. And I think that we are starting to see from a public health perspective, I don't think there's any true form of how we're going to prevent people when they go back to school, you know, to be completely away from it. Now, if there needed to be a vaccine, again, this is something that we saw with smallpox. We did have a vaccine that was in, I think it was like in 2019 for people who were at high risk for smallpox or monkeypox because they're very closely related. That mm -hmm. if we need to start to vaccinate people. We do have one that was for smallpox and can be pretty much effective against monkeypox. So informative and, and just helpful. Thank you so much. All of my questions answered. <laughs> I love it and hope to be back soon. As I mentioned at the top of the show, one of the busiest writer, director, producers in Hollywood is joining us to talk about his new dramatic film, the one, the only, Tyler Perry. But first, our girl Britney Spears clapped back at her mom on social media recently. It seems like she still has lots to say and secrets to share since, you know, being freed from her conservatorship. We get into the pop star's juicy Instagram post and some new music news she has coming right after the break. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. We are back and Brittany is putting her mom on blast. In a recent Instagram post that's since been deleted, Brittany Spears shared text messages she sent to her mother, Lynn Spears, a friend and her court-appointed lawyer back in 2019. The messages apparently stem from when she was being forced to seek treatment at a mental health facility. This, of course, all happened during the period of time in which the pop star was under a conservatorship ran primarily by her father, Jamie Spears. Since being freed from the conservatorship, 
late last year, Britney has been taking shots at her mother, father, and sister, Jamie Lynn Spears. Now, in a caption that has since been deleted with the shared text, Spears wrote, quote, It's a little different with proof. Here are my text messages to my mom in that place three years ago. I show it because there was no response. When I got out, her words were, you should have let me visit you and give you a hug. The texts in question were primarily about Brittany having to take a higher dosage of medication to which she didn't want to because the drugs were apparently making her ill. Now, Lynn Spears then posted an old text thread to Instagram to dispute Britney's account of what was exchanged between the mother and daughter back in 2019 with a caption that read, Britney, I have all the whole conversations as well. I hurt for you that you feel the people who love you the most betrayed you. Let me come to you. I love you. Britney clapped back at her mother in a lengthy post saying, Yeah, Ma, did you also let people know that's one of the only times you text me back? And went on to say, did you tell them how you were at my beach house when I couldn't even have the keys to my car? Did you tell them I was doing three AA meetings a week when I hate alcohol? Spears went on to raise further questions about her mother's actions while she was under the conservatorship. The new post is long, and you can head over to Britney's IG to see it for yourself. But... To end things on some brighter Britney news, people can confirm that she has a tiny project in the works with a major name. As part of her musical comeback, a source confirmed to us that Spears is collaborating with the legendary Elton John on a new version of his 1972 single, Tiny Dancer. The single is set to be released next month, and I can't wait to hear this collab. I am so excited to be here now with Mr. Tyler Perry himself to talk about a project that is near and dear to his heart and that we'll all be able to see very soon. Tyler, thank you so much for being on with me. It is absolutely my pleasure, Jenny. Thank you. Well, a jazz man's blues. Take me into the setup. I wrote it in 1995. It was the first movie I ever wrote, and it's about... Two young people coming of age. It's uh, set in the 1940s about a jazz singer and a Holocaust survivor and their friendship, as well as this man's love for this woman and all the things that tried to keep them apart. I'm beyond excited about it. It's something very, very different for me. And so far, the reception of it has been incredible. Mm. So you say different. In what way specifically? Because you, you've kind of done it all. So, so what set this apart for you? I don't know if I've done it all in the sense of setting a story in the 1940s and telling it this way and it not being a comedy, being a straight drama and having incredible actors that just move the story along. You know, if you look at my body of work, it was always catered to and targeted specifically to my audience and what we all love and love to see. Although it's definitely something my audience will enjoy, it's also a much broader movie that I think that a bigger audience may find and, and really enjoy. When I wrote it initially, I wanted to play the lead role of Bayou. I wanted Will Smith to play my brother, Willie Earl. I wanted Halle Berry to play Leanne. I wanted Sir Ben Kingsley to be Ira. And I wanted Diana Ross to play our mother. And that was in 1995. So we've all aged out of these characters because they're all very young in their 20s Mm. and 30s. 
So I, I set out on a quest to find a new group of actors, and I found them. The guy who plays Bayou, his name is Joshua Boone. He hasn't done much, by the way, of film, but he is a phenomenal actor in the movie. And I cannot wait for the world to get to see the performance he puts down, as well as Soleil Pfeiffer, who plays Leanne, her first time. And she's brilliant in the film, and I'm just so proud of them. And unfortunately, with this film, I, I went to a bunch of up-and-coming young artists who were getting a lot of attention, and, and I asked them about doing the role. They read the script. They loved the script. But I think there was a reservation or hesitation about working with me in particular on this film because I guess they didn't know how it would turn out. Too bad, so sad for them because the people who are in it made it exactly what it was supposed to be. It's better than mm-hmm. I ever thought it would be. I, I want to know having been in this industry for so long, having launched huge career, I think of Idris Elba, I think of all of these things to still have some pushback in that regard. What do you do to just let that roll off your back? You know, everybody who has their team, like these these actors and actresses, they have their team. And a lot of times these teams don't necessarily understand the power of my audience and what I bring. And they direct them away from doing something that is mine, which is completely okay. Because again, it opens the door for incredible new talent and faces to come through. So so I, I can't wait for all of the people who I know their names who turned it down to see it and to see what these people put down on film. I want to go back to 1995, though. What struck you to go back to the 1940s and even dream this up? I saw August Wilson play at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, and I had to sneak in at intermission because I didn't have a ticket. So when people would come out to smoke, that's how I saw theater. And I found that there was a party afterwards for the cast, and I saw him there. And I was telling him that I had all the stories that I wanted to tell. And he was very, very encouraging about me writing whoever I wanted to write and tell my art, use, use my art the way I want to use it, tell the stories I want to tell. And, and I went home that night and I started writing a jazz man's blues, yeah. And where and who was Tyler Perry then? And I want to juxtapose him against the Tyler Perry I'm talking to right now. Personally, where were you in 1995? In Atlanta, struggling to make it hungry, sleeping on my cousin's couch and eventually getting put out and being homeless. I was struggling to get my first play. I know I've been changed up off the ground. But this this story poured out of me and, and I held on to it all of these years because all along the way, what I was doing was with the Medeas and the White Legged Marrieds and all these, I was building the table, so to speak, building the strength of the brand so that I can branch out and do the other things that have been in my heart, like a Jasmine's booth. So... When, when you're talking about where you are now, you have this just groundbreaking, legendary, ceiling-shattering studio that you've set up. You're a dad now. Take me into what a day in the life looks like now for Tyler Perry. Working with Viacom and BET and being a part owner of BET Plus, I'm busier now than I've ever been. But I think I'm, I'm the most content that I've ever been in, in having that amount of, of busyness. Last year, we were looking at the payroll, not bills or mortgages or anything like that, but just the payroll for the cast and crew and everything. It was, it was $154 million. And I was really moved by yeah. that number and understanding that with the strength of my audience and all of these years of investing, I am able to write those checks to that many people, many of them women and people of color, 
it's moving to me. It motivates me and it keeps me keeps me grounded and keeps me going. You threw back to 2005 recently on your Instagram. It was a moment at Oprah's Legends Ball. What was it about that moment? Not a lot of people in that room recognized or knew anything about what I had done. But being in that space, being at Oprah's house and realizing where she had come from, it was a bridge for me to cross to say I can too, you know, looking at all of those legends from Sidney Poitier to Diana Ross to Cicely Tyson to Dorothy Hyde, the, all of these incredible people, Maya Angelou, I go on and on and on. Being in the room with them gave me this sense of, and I never forgot that feeling of what it felt like to feel like you belong in the room because I've mm. always felt like I'd never belong. I love it. I love it. And then lastly, where and how are you going to watch? I feel like this is such a very full circle moment for you to have this film. I want to know how you plan on celebrating something that I feel like was your baby. You know, for me, having had a life that has been traveled and things have gone pretty well, I, I'm going to be able to celebrate it by seeing the experience of all the new people who are getting their shot. So that, for me, is, is the inspiration that will carry me on through the next thing. So just looking at their eyes and seeing when they're on the red carpet or they're doing panels and they may ask questions or their next gig or whatever they get from this, that all inspires me. The last thing I'll say about that is, is in where we are in, in this country and this attempt to reimagine our history and water it down and change it from the difficult experience that it was is something that made me understand that it was time to tell the story. There are politicians who want to take certain books out of school. They don't want certain histories taught. It's staggering to me that people want to reimagine what actually happened when history is so clear and the power of it is so important that you so that you don't repeat it. So that's why I felt it was time to tell the story now. And having a partner like Netflix made it a whole lot easier. Wow. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate the time you gave me to talk about this new project. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. As you loyal listeners out there know, we try to end our show with a lighthearted story as a little something to, you know, make you smile. And this last story I have to share with you is, well, I don't know if it makes me smile per se, but it definitely makes me laugh. I'm a mother of two and I am constantly surprised by the things that come out of my children's mouths. Kids are just so unintentionally funny with some of the things they say and at times as equally hurtful as they are funny with their little innocent comments. Nothing encapsulates that more clearly than the mother who shared on social media why her son's friend thought he had two moms. So I just dropped my son off at preschool and another little boy comes up to me and says, where's Josiah's other mom? I'm like, he only has one mom. And this little boy says, no, he has two. He has you and then he has the pretty mom, the one that picks him up from school every day. I mean, <laughs> that is so funny and specific and just something only a kid could get away with saying, right? I mean, this poor mom out there just trying to get her son to preschool and then is just getting roasted for dropping him off before she gets ready for the day. But I hope you got a good laugh out of it, <laughs> especially you parents out there just, you know, trying to do your best. Thanks again for downloading and listening to us today. I will talk to you all tomorrow on our midweek edition of People Every Day. <laughs>